Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Happy Easter, everybody. How many of you got some food when you came in or you came to church? Yeah, not bad. Thank you to our hospitality team. They were here uh, four and a half hours yesterday prepping. They were here uh, oh dark 30. And uh, how many of you tried to see the rocket this morning? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. How many did see a glimpse? I did. How many heard it? How many felt the re-entry? Gaboom. How many could care less? Yeah. In the first service, about 20% of the people said, I, I don't care, but they don't realize that if you own a home, your property value just went up today. When Vandenberg is successful, things are up and to the right for all of us. So if you're part of Team Vandenberg, kudos to you. Uh, it was perfect and wonderful. And uh, I love that stuff. And, and I got to just tell you, this has nothing to do with the sermon. They don't hold this against my sermon time. But I, I, I have to say to the people at SpaceX, they were told this could not be done. You could not take a rocket and bring it back to Earth and use it six weeks later. That's what just happened today. So when anybody tells you you can't, just tell them, well, uh, and just cite some things like SpaceX and the rest who've done things that people said can't be done. I know that the devil and I know that hell and all the demons thought it couldn't be done for Jesus to rise again from the dead. And he reminds us that all things are possible with him. The old prophet Jeremiah said, is there anything too hard for you, God? And before he could even wait for heaven to answer, Jeremiah answered it himself. He said, nope, there's nothing too hard for you. By your great power and outstretched arm, you can do the impossible. And that's the God that we serve today. You know, Easter is a time where we are reminded that conclusions in man's mind, are beginnings of God's plan. Sometimes we conclude nothing can change. It'll never get any better. I'll always be like this. And God takes notes and says, wait a minute. I can change that around. I can allow the power that caused my son Jesus to rise from the dead to dwell inside of your mortal bodies. I can allow when you've lost your hope to allow Christ to be in you, as the Apostle Paul says, to be the hope of glory. God doesn't have any problems. He only has plans. And if you don't believe me, just look at Easter. He has great plans for us. No problems, only plans. So I thought for a moment, if somehow a camera was to come in and I could beam a message to the entire world, but they only gave me three words to say. What would I say? Hmm. Lord, have mercy? Maybe. But how about this? Jesus is life. We could summarize all of the Gospels in that simple three-word phrase. Jesus is life. And I know people and you know people who don't know the giver of life. They're existing. They're breathing in and exhaling. Their hearts are beating, and they will live for a time on this planet. And it's possible to be alive and never really live. It's possible to be alive and never have met the giver of life. And on that first Easter, when Jesus conquered death, it was not meant to be a one and done. Matter of fact, any time a man, woman, 
boy or girl, believes in Christ as Lord and Savior, he changes the trajectory of their life. He gives them a place in eternity. He writes their name in the Lamb's book of life. And every time we, even as followers of Jesus, have a moment of doubt or hope begins to leak out from our souls, we come back to Jesus and he re-energizes us with his life-giving power. Luke chapter 24, the Easter story. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took spices that they had prepared and they went to the tomb. Why did they do this? They were going to pay their last respects. They were going to anoint the dead body of Jesus. And they found something remarkable, miraculous. The stone had been rolled away from the tomb. And when they entered, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. Imagine their surprise and their shock. And while they were wondering, scratching their heads about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, these women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Oh, by the way, remember? Remember how he told you that he would rise again? while he was still with you in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners and be crucified and rise on the third day. And then they put it all together and they remembered his words. The beauty for us is we get to read this story knowing the end. But they were living in the moment. Their hope was gone. Oh, we know that three days later he rose again, Jesus Christ did. But these ladies in that moment, they have no clue. Anyone ever read the end of the book before you read the beginning? I must confess, I've done that before. Oh, you're going to spoil the end of it. But I want to know where I'm going if I'm going to read all these pages. <laughs> have you ever fast-forwarded to the end of the Netflix in order to see the end? Yeah. Okay, four of us are weird. Can I tell you, if we fast forward the Bible, if we fast forward God's plan for the future, all those who follow Jesus win in the end. And in the fourth quarter, man, the Lord secures our win because of what he did before the earth was even made. Here are these women, much like the disciples, all hope is gone. How many of his followers went to the cross? Anybody know? One. How many of his followers sat outside the tomb? Kind of like the SpaceX rocket this morning, the Merlin engines getting fired up. Ten, nine, eight, seven. I was watching on space flight now. I, I'm sorry, I've only been here 36 years. I'm still enamored every time. At 2 a.m., 3 a.m., whenever, I, I'm up. Some of you were snoring. You heard the sonic boom, ah, big deal. But for me, I'm still excited. But, but why did the disciples sit outside the tomb? 10, 9, 8, it's the third day. He will rise as he said. No one was there, zero. No one was there. But the women go to anoint his body to pay their last respects and they look inside the tomb, 
and they find out he's not there, and they run away with joyous glee. Could you imagine what they felt like in that moment? Why do you look for the living among the dead? They were not looking for the living. The angels knew that he was alive, but the women did not know. They were looking for the dead among the dead. These women were looking in the wrong place for Jesus because they had a wrong understanding of Jesus. And before I want to judge them for their misunderstanding of the Savior, I want to raise my hand and say there's been times in my life where hope has been dashed away. And somehow, even though I know the Word of God and I know Jesus the Savior, somehow inside even my own life, and maybe you would agree with me, I forget what he said. That somehow the prognosis, somehow the, the person, somehow the unfriendliness of someone unfriending you and unfollowing you or, or you prayed for that job and you got the job and the job wasn't what you thought or you prayed for a spouse and you got the spouse and well I'll just leave it there <laughs> and somehow our hope can be dashed in this world there's a gravitational pull of this world to hold us down when God wants to rise us up there's darkness in this world that tries to overshadow the light of Christ. When Christ tries to be that light and that hope for us, Luke 24, 6 and 7 goes on to say, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners and be crucified on the third day and be raised again. And somehow they forgot. But Luke summarizes it. But now they remembered. Oh, if I could just sit with you for a moment, I would want you to remember all the things God had spoke into your life, the promises that he spoke into you, the hope that is ours because of the word of God. See, Jesus was not just among the living because he rose again. Jesus was always among the living, eternal, all about life because in Jesus there is life and nothing can change that. Not a press professor in a college, not our leaders, not the economy, not anything political, not anything social. Nothing can change the fact that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords, and he rose from the dead, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And boy, if I was a preacher, I would camp there for a while, but I'll move on. <laughs> John 10.10. 10. The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy and that word only is there because that's the MO, the modus operandi of the devil. All he knows is to steal from you, to rob your joy, to kill things God is trying to give life to into your life, to destroy your belief in who you are in Christ. But Jesus has come that they may have what? And have it to the, to the full. And literally in the Greek text, it means to have it overflowing so much like the cup that runneth over in the 23rd Psalm. And while nothing changes Jesus, the enemy of our soul tries to change what we feel about Jesus, what we believe about Jesus, what these women felt when they went to the tomb. Perhaps they forgot. And again, I raise my hand sometimes with all that I know, with all the theology that I have with 44 years of being a preacher. Sometimes I forget in the moment of darkness. Sometimes I forget how truly great my Savior is. 
What Jesus came to do was to make us a part of the living. He knows nothing else. I want to go way back. I mean way back. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. I, I would just submit to you that, that God made us from dust to remind us that's where we're going to end up, in the dust. And he breathed into the nostrils. So, so get this, this picture. He takes dirt and forms it together, takes two of his fingers to make two holes, nostrils, right? And then he breathes life into the dirt. And it says, according to the scriptures, the breath of life came in, and the man became a living, living soul. Hmm. He breathed into them. God's still breathing into people. I always think of CPR and what a gift that is. There's people in this own community, in this county that have have had their hearts stop and they've been brought back to life because of CPR. Uh, but in the spirit, I say CPR, Christ performs resurrections. I made that up. <laughs> he breathed life. Could it be that he did so? That every time we would <gasps> breathe in and breathe out, we might remember him? C could it be? Yeah, communion. Jesus, every time you take this bread and this cup, Remember me. But could it, could it be as we breathe in, as, as we exhale, there's something of the life of God, the life-giving God in us, in him we live and move and have our being, have our, our breath? The baby comes out of the birth canal and the first thing that it does when it's brought out is it takes a breath. And the doctors and the nurses and the moms and the dads and the midwives, everybody, when that breath happens, and what happens after the breath? The crying starts. That's why I always hated that Christmas song, the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. That's a lie. All babies cry if they're healthy. Just thought I would add that. You can't cry without oxygen. We were always intended to be living beings. He breathed into the dirt the breath of life and it became a living soul. And when Adam and Eve sinned, the breath of humanity was knocked out. The wind was knocked out of every human being and for the first time, death entered. It was not God's plan to have us die. He makes Adam and Eve, and he sets them to be eternal beings. And when they disobeyed and did the one thing God said don't do, eat of the knowledge of the, the tree of good and evil, once they, once they ate of that tree, they violated God. And the breath of humanity was knocked out. And through the cross and the resurrection, God's been trying to breathe back into us new life. The Bible says that when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he spilled his blood. He, he said, it is finished. And many translations read this way. And he took his last breath. Even the breath of God that was placed inside the, the being of Jesus, very much God, very much man. 
was locked out of him, but only for a couple days. And then God breathed again, and life came. And for the very first time, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, were faced with a faith challenge they never had been faced with before. See, they were with Jesus all the time, and he healed the sick, and he turned water into wine, and he walked on water, and he fed the multitudes with a little boy's lunch of sardines and crackers. Whenever they wanted to be taught, they went to him as rabbi. They, they, they heard him teach like no one had ever taught before. But now he's gone. He's dead. He's no more. And they're afraid. They've locked themselves in a room for fear of the Jews. Fear is a very paralyzing force. It causes people to stop moving forward. It stops people to stop loving. Remember, Jesus had told the disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Love God with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And now they're locked in, not loving anyone except themselves. And the Bible says Jesus shows up. I love this. None of the gospels tell us how he got in the room. Remember, they bolted the door shut. They got ring systems and camera systems, and I'm making that up too. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears. Could you imagine? You're all there shaking for fear, and Jesus just all, hey, guys, how are you? I mean, it's, it's Jesus. We, we, we thought he was dead. And Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. They were going nowhere, but he's reminding them that he's ascending God. He sends you and me out. When we're done today, we close with our last song. He's sending you out to make a difference where you work, where you serve, out on the base, out in the county, out in the city. He's sending you into your schools. He's sending you in your neighborhoods. And then notice what he did. And with that, he... He breathed on them. Wow. Here's the breath again, the breath of God, the breath of life. And then he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And if you know your Bible, you know that when they gathered in the upper room and they began to worship the Lord, a rushing mighty wind, or some could define it as a breath came upon them. The same life-giving breath where God took the dirt and made man, the same life-giving breath where Jesus ended his life and took his last breath, the same life-giving breath when he's in the room with them, locked away in John 20, and he breathed on them. I'm giving you a promise of what's to come. And then in the upper room, they felt the breath. I wonder, I just wonder, it's not in the scriptures, but I just wonder, did one disciple look at the other and go, that feels like Jesus he just breathed on us. Can I tell you as a, as a friend and a fellow sojourner that God still wants to breathe on his people, that the Holy Spirit still wants to breathe on us. Breathe new life in us, Lord. Ever had the breath knocked out of you, literally or figuratively? Ever looked at your life your reality, your wallet, your purse. <laughs> God, the breath is knocked out of me. 
a breath. When I was in about the fourth or fifth grade, I grew up in a beautiful town called Burbank, beautiful downtown Burbank. And right around the corner from my house was a parachute shop. They made parachutes for dragsters and funny cars and rocket cars. And at the very end, you hit the button and the, the chutes come out. Well, before the big chute comes out, there was a pre-chute to kind of open things up. And, and sometimes those pre-chutes would be manufactured. They'd have defects and they would throw them away in the dumpster. And me with my great engineering mind and my friend Mark and my friend Sam and my friend Danny, we would, we would get those parachutes and we would run down the street until, with a rope until the parachute went out. And sometimes we'd get airborne. Nothing like Falcon 9, but we got airborne a little bit. And one day in my engineering mind, I said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to hook it to my sissy bar of my Schwinn Stingray. What do I wish I had that bike today? They're worth lots of money. And I pedaled as hard as I could, man. I was really something. I was just going my big old ape hanger bars, you know. I, I, was, I was something. And all of a sudden, I threw the chute out, and I kept pedaling. And then the parachute did its job. Pulled the back of my bike up about four and a half feet. And I went over the handlebars and hit the pavement. And I could not find my breath, let alone catch my breath. And I know it was probably 40 seconds. It seemed like 40 minutes. Ever had it happen to you? Fall off the monkey bars? And, uh, huh? Or play football and somebody hits you hard enough to knock the breath out of you? The last couple years we've lived in is enough to knock the breath out of some people. The price of gas, price of eggs, stock market, enough to knock the breath out of some of you. Those are superficial things. There's deeper things than that. And I'm here to tell you that I got my breath back or I wouldn't be standing here today all these years later. And I'm here to tell you that God still wants to breathe upon his people. See, look for Jesus. There's no real life apart from the life he gives. My three words would be Jesus is life. Uh, John would also write in chapter one, verse three to five, through him, referring to Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's who Jesus is. He doesn't simply bring us life. He is life. And when dead things rise and the gravitational pull of this world tries to pull us into dead spaces and dead places, we can come to Jesus I had a pastor friend years ago. He got invited to the White House. He went and bought a new suit, new tie. And not just the White House for some big gathering. He got to be a part of a small group of 14 pastors to walk into the Oval Office and pray with the then seated president. And my friend tells the story this way. As, as they were praying, he walked over to the president and put his hand on his shoulder. As he put his hand on his shoulder, three secret service guys came over and said, what are you doing? 
He called me up and said, hey, Bernie, guess what I got to do? I got to go to the Oval Office. I got to, he went on and on and on. I don't have time to tell you how much on and on he went. Then they had a big dinner and the chefs came out with the white hats and the coats and the gloves and the china and the gold forks. I was jealous for about five minutes of the conversation. Nobody called me from the White House. Nobody. And then I thought, what on earth am I going to say to him? I said, well, I'm glad you got that privilege. But I got one better. This morning when I woke up, I got on my knees by my bed. And I called on the name of God, the Father, in the name of Jesus. And I invited the Holy Spirit to show up. And the God of universe came and knelt down beside me. You may have been in the White House, but I spent time in the Holy of Holies this morning. I spent time in the presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords this morning. You spent time with an elected official who won't be there long. <laughs> but my God is eternal. I said, could you top that? He stammered for a moment, said, I don't, I don't think so. I said, well, get over yourself, man. See you later. And I hung up the phone. <laughs> I want you to know that any of you, any of you, and call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. And any of you that are saved can call on the name of the Lord and he'll come stand right beside you. As a matter of fact, I got to preach it better than that. He's not just going to stand beside you. He's inside of you. He lives in us. He's our hope of glory. Where can you find him? You can find him in the darkness. I've met him in the ICU. I've met him in the ER. I've met him at the mortuary. I've met him at the graveside. I've met him when someone has taken their life or someone's life has been taken from them. I've met him. I've seen him. I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that there's nothing that can stop him. And the only way that the life of Jesus could be passed on to us would be through his own death and his resurrection. So John, we just read from him, that in him was life and that life was the light of mankind. John is now older. This is 1 John chapter 1. I see him sitting on a rocking chair on a porch looking out at a lake. And the fish are jumping. They're biting the little fireflies that are landing. That's how I see it. And here's what he says. That which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, referring to Jesus, which we have looked at with our hands, we've touched him. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, and we've seen it, and we testify to it, and we proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and now has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we have seen and what we have heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. He's inviting all of us to have fellowship in this community called the kingdom of God. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we write this to make our joy complete. And next week, we're going to start a brand new series. This is a paid political announcement right now. We're going to start a new series 
called rising above. We're going to look at scriptures of where we rise above the darkness. We rise above our doubt. We're going to look at some Bible characters who, who latched onto their faith in God and what they did. So I invite you all to come back. It's going to be really good. Pastor John and I are going to preach, and we might even get Chase, the funny guy, to do something. We don't know. He's good. Easter reminds us that death could not conquer life. And I don't know where you've grown hopeless, but I want to go to a very unusual scripture in my last few minutes. And usually when the preacher says my last few minutes, you know that means absolutely positively nothing. (laughs) But Deuteronomy 30, God is speaking. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws, and then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you're entering. Now, this is talking about geography, but I don't think we do a disservice to the text to talk about the seasons of life ahead of us. That even though you may not move geographically, as you move spiritually and as you move in education, as you move in bettering yourselves, as you move emotionally from where you are to a better place, God is already there and he wants to bless you as you go forward. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Get this now. Now choose Life, Jesus, is life. So that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. And let's read this with our best, he's almost done voice. Come on. For, for the Lord is your life. God wants to step into your moment of life right now and give you life. He's inviting all of us to step into new life, not just for those who are not saved yet, but for all of us who are saved, who go through the motions, who check the religious box. God wants to have a deep abiding relationship with you. And after Christ rose from the dead, the news spread from the angel Mary to a guy named Peter, to the disciples. And over 500 people who got to see Jesus alive and well. And they all became new people. And they were no longer afraid of living because they were no longer afraid of dying. They had a new passion for life. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do we look in places that have no life at all? When Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, now choose life. I want to say it again. Now choose life. And for whatever has died in you, whatever dreams have died in you, whatever hopes have been dashed in your life, choose life. Where do you need to choose life today? Where do you need to choose life on this Easter Sunday, 2022? Where are you dealing with pain, anguish, anxiety, depression, mundane religion? Or like the women who came to the tomb, hopelessness. 
Where do you need to step into eternal life in Jesus today? And I want to give you a powerful statement. It is so powerful. We'll put it on the screen as well. Our history ends with the cross and our future begins with the resurrection. Our history ends with the cross. Oh, Pastor B, I got some history. Yeah, I know some of you. I know your story. You got some history. Has everybody ever said to you, shame, shame? Not Jesus. You're guilty. Not Jesus. No shame with him. No guilt with him. When he dies on the cross, he dies for our guilt and our shame. I had a gentleman years ago, 40 years of age, he stopped me after church. He said, hey, all this stuff about the cross, and you made a statement in church that Jesus died for all of our sins, and he said, but, 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 but you don't know what I did. And he started to tell me, I said, I don't need to know what you did. I said, when Jesus died on the cross, he died for all of the sins of humanity, from Adam and Eve to the last person from the last breath. Yeah, but me... I said, come here. I want you to come stand on this platform right here. Everybody was pretty much gone. I said, I want you to look up to heaven and I want you to tell God the Father that the sacrifice of his son was not good enough. Because that's what you're saying. Then I want you to, to call on Jesus. Jesus, when you died on the cross, it wasn't good enough. You, you go right there, but wait, before you do it, I'm going to go outside. Because I don't want to be anywhere near you when the lightning strikes, right? Mm. He said, I get what you're trying to do. I said, exactly. To believe that God cannot forgive you and redeem you is to say to Jesus, the cross wasn't good enough. But Jesus said the words, even in the Greek, to telestai, it is finished. You can't add to the cross. You can't take away from the cross. And when you sin again, and you will, that's prophecy, Jesus will be there to hear your confession, 1 John 1, 9, and he will be just and able to forgive you from your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness because that's the kind of Savior he is. Nothing has gone too far that God cannot redeem. Nothing. And so I want us to pray. I want you to bow your heads because it's a church thing. And it's almost time to go. But don't go because we're going to sing another song. <laughs> and I want you just to think for a moment. Just, just take a moment and why don't you catch your breath? Take a deep breath and let it out. No, this is not an exercise. It's symbolic of what God wants to do in you and in me in this room or any watching online today that you've not given your life to Jesus before, that this could be your day. He is the giver of life. Jesus is life. And apart from him, you may live. You may exist. But you won't have fullness of life. You may kneel beside your bed and try to call on some higher power and Good luck with that. But if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you call upon his name, he is there with you. 
I'm going to pray a prayer. You may want to quietly echo these words. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you came and that you died for my sins, that I might have everlasting life. I choose life. I turn from my sins and I turn to you. God, change me into the person you want me to be. Renew my faith. Use me for your purposes. Place your hope in my heart. I ask you to be my Savior, to be my Lord. For you died and rose again from the grave. Jesus, I give you my life. Maybe we could all say that. Jesus, I give you my life. Let's say it together. Jesus, I give you my life. Could it be that this is your day to give your life to the one I've been talking about this morning? And you're saying, I am going to follow Jesus. I'm asking him to be my Savior and my Lord, and this is my day of salvation. And if that's you today, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. If this is your day, just stand to your feet. It's fine. No one's going to hurt you or do anything. Just, just stand if that's you. Or if you're online, you could just say, that's me in the chat. I'll wait another second. If that's you, just stand to your feet. Thank you. Thank you, guys. And here's what Jesus does. You're not just standing before me. You're standing before heaven, and he sees your hearts, and he comes to forgive you of your sins, and he comes to be your Savior and give you life. And we pray that God will bless you and strengthen you. You too, young lady in the back. Thank you. By the way, this is why the church exists. I thought we exist for buffets and good music. No, that's a part of it. We exist to bring people to Christ, help them be fully devoted followers of Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're grateful that you join our family, the family of Jesus today. We invite you into our community. And now I wanna ask this question. Because some of you that know Christ thought, well, that's good for them. But what about you? Where has your spiritual walk become mundane? Kind of like a ritual. And today would be the day you would say, Holy Spirit, breathe new life in me. I want to worship you like never before. I want to believe in you like never before. I don't want the darkness to overtake the light that you are in my life. And I want to commit myself wholeheartedly. I've drifted a bit and now I want to come to Christ on this Easter day and say, Lord, you got me. Jesus, I give you my life. If that's you, would you stand to your feet as well? This is your day to say, God, I'm recommitting myself afresh to you. Thank 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 you. Online, the same thing. Just say, I'm, I'm recommitting myself to Jesus. Lord, we pray for these. 
who've opened their life to you for the first time, we pray for these who are saying <laughs> with boldness standing at their feet, I'm giving you my life again, fully, wholeheartedly. Jesus, I give you my life. Holy Spirit, we pray that you will seal these very decisions and you'll breathe new life into each one and into all of us today. So, here's my PS, it stands for parting shot. The leaders could not derail him. The devil could not defeat him. The cross could not destroy him. The grave could not contain him. The stone was rolled away and the best was yet to come. And for you and me, the best is yet to come. Amen? Amen. He is risen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.